Hey guys, welcome to Today's the Day with Zach Anderson. This episode is brought to you by Alchemy Sales Coaching. I hope you guys enjoy. First and foremost, I want to I want to extend massive gratitude to Kyle Nelson for showing up, aka the NBA elf, aka the great elbow, which I have no idea what that's all about. So we'll dive into that in just a minute. Before we jump in, though, just a really quick background on you so people can kind of understand who I'm who I'm talking to and who they're hearing from. Grew up in San Bernardino, California, among top 10 most dangerous cities in America. And you kind of realize that in growing up, you saw some pretty crazy things. You witnessed some some other things we'll jump into. Grew up super humble lifestyle. Used to sell chocolates door to door to be able to pay for the sports that you'd go and play, to be able to go and pay for new backpack shoes for the next year, next school year. You had a really, really crazy incident in 2003. Your house burned down, which we're going to dive into kind of the, the whole story behind that as well. And then a really cool progression in your current career. So you've been there since 2007, I believe is what it was, right? Yep. Um, you've been at Aptive and back in 2010, you were, your group was doing about 3.3 thousand accounts and now you're doing over a hundred thousand accounts currently, correct? Mm -hmm. Which is just insane. That's serviced. You're the president sales at Aptive and that's the fifth largest pest control company for people who don't know what that is. Um, and then of course you are the NBA elf, right? And in doing all of your NBA ventures, you're a huge sneaker plug for a lot of NBA players and you own a sneaker store called Sneak Easy in Idaho, correct? Yep. Super sick. So, dude, again, thank you so much for making it out here. I'm stoked. I'm glad you showed up in the elf costume. Yeah. This is my first episode with uh, anyone wearing tights. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm fired up about it. I'm excited. So thank you. Thank you for showing up. No problem. It was already packed up for the season, but I, you know, I unpacked it. So <laughs> I love it. First off, what is the great elbow? That's my first question. Yeah. So um, side profile when I was younger, like little, like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, smaller head, same size nose. Um, somebody had said I was born with an elbow in my face and like, it was meant to be like an insult or a slide. I didn't let it phase me. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, I'll grow into it. And like the whole, like the whole class, the whole school were like, Ooh, you know, like we didn't see if there's gonna be some sort of fight, but I was like, I'll grow into it, man. Like grow up. And you rocked with it. And, and then so after that, like my friends were like, elbow this or elbows on my team. He's the kickball captain, elbow that. And then it kind of went away and then it resurfaced um, like end of high school, like early, like college years. Okay. Um, a comedy special came out and the guy had, you know, talked about people being born with an elbow on their face, having like a big nose and stuff. And so it just kind of resurfaced. And those that knew me from like that era just called me elbow or the bow. And uh, back when I made Instagram, like right, it was post MySpace, yeah. early and it was like taboo to use your real name. Like For looking sure. Back, I'm like, dang it! I wish I would have gotten like at Kyle or at Kyle Nielsen. So, I, but I was like, okay, but you went with the great the, elbow. The great elbow, and uh, and now like with the NBA players follow, like with my following and stuff that I have, I'm like, I can't change it now. No, so you're I just gotta, I just gotta. You are it. the great elbow. Yeah, you yeah. are the. That's literally what I knew you as. So that's that's one of your identities, yeah. and another one is the NBA elf, which yep. is obviously very apparent for anyone watching. Yep. If you're just listening, you just got to go look at either the the clips or hop on YouTube and check it out. <laughs> what is that all about? Where did that yeah. originate? And then we'll dive into some important Sweet. stuff. But. Yeah. So 2009, I wore, or 2010, I wore the elf costume as like a Halloween costume. My wife dressed up with my daughter was like a little penguin. Yeah. And uh, people loved it. So then I was like, all right, well, I'll wear the same costume for our sub for Santa charity stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Like one thing in our industry, you guys too, over, you know, at, at Vivint, we're really big on giving back and like doing what we can to give back with mm -hmm. what we've been given. And so I went and did all of our supper Santa shopping, Target, Walmart, collecting donations in the elf costume. Uh, I, I even remember knocking on uh, Todd Peterson's door <laughs> up through the neighborhood, like asking for donations for stuff. And his wife cut me a check, and, Oh, it's just, and, you know, full head to toe elf costume. That's amazing. And uh, so I started doing that every single year. And I, I saw that people at Walmart and Target, even people I wasn't, I weren't, I wasn't talking to were, like just smiling. It just put a smile on everyone's face. Like I can't, I can't be mad. Like yeah. this thing, like it's, when I'm wearing the elf it's costume, impossible. like I can't not have a smile on my face. And, and so like, for me, it puts me in a really good mindset and like reminds me to stay positive. But for me, it's that ripple effect. And it was doing the sub for Santa's year over year, throwing it on. I was like, okay, I think target and Walmart people have had enough. Like, how do I expand? What's the next biggest way to, to ripple this out, the positivity out? Yeah. So I was like, let's take it to an NBA game. So I wore it to an NBA game. <laughs> Players were loving it. The opposing team were like so confused. And then, uh, so I did like a Christmas game and then it evolved to like every game from Thanksgiving to Christmas. I'd love to, you know, do jazz colored elf costumes. To Absolutely. Match the jerseys. Absolutely. Maybe hit like all the, all the jazz games home and away in the month of December next year. 
eventually start in Boston and work my way through and hit one arena a day for 25 days straight. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. And like, and, and honestly, <laughs> like the, the player, like, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw Bradley Beal. So the game right before Christmas, Bradley mm-hmm. Beal is shooting, uh, shooting some, some free throws and I'm sitting courtside and I'm like, you're waving I'm like, in the Dude, background, the buddy wave in the, background. <laughs> the ref's right in front of me. He gets the ball. He sees me. He actually cracks a smile and like just last kind of shakes his head, <laughs> makes his free throw, obviously. Um, and then he's like, that's for you elf. And like, and then it, 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 so it, it went trending, went viral. It was on sports center and ESPN and he reposted it and stuff. And like, it was kind of this back and forth of me and him waving at him, him laughing. And yeah. And so, yeah. So for me, it's just kind of with as much negativity as there is in the world. And every single day there's another headline. I mean, there's plane crashes, there's deaths, there's snowmobiling accidents. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Like there's bad news every single day. And for me, this is a way for me to help somebody, whether I interact with them or not, smile. Like thousand percent. That, that could be the only, you know, happy thing of their day is they saw some random elf walking the streets of Salt Lake City on the way to a jazz game or something. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, so that's kind of my my way of kind of giving back. And and especially during the holiday season, because Christmas, as wonderful as it is, it's also stressful for people. Like for sure. You have your kids asking for stuff. You may or not may not be happy with your job. Your family stuff might not be where you want to go and so yeah, for me, it's just, it's giving back isn't always just about the money. And and if you're not in a position to donate and give in those ways, there's always ways you can give back, whether it's volunteering, yeah, um, you know, humor is a great way to give back if you can deliver a smile to somebody. And Absolutely. that's kind of what, that's the platform that, that this whole elf moniker. Dude, I, on. I love that. I, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but that is like a much better reason than i would have guessed you know yeah. like really truly like and i think both those things the great elbow and yeah. then the nba elf that that honestly i don't know you super well it shows a lot about your character in general though the fact that like you noticed the positive effect you were having on other people and that was enough because it's i'm assuming it's pretty inconvenient to go and like you just talked about planning out 25 different arenas yep. across the u.s yeah. that's not easy or cheap to do not at all that is costing you and you're not doing it like obviously i'm sure you enjoy it but you could do it in a much simpler way for mm-hmm. yourself if you weren't thinking about other people yeah which is really really cool like i i love that answer i wouldn't have expected that in a million years so that's yeah. that's that's awesome man thank you um so just rewinding rewinding way way back cool. just getting to know you a little bit right san bernardino california that's where you were you're born and raised yep. correct yeah and in a little bio that i had watched about you you had talked about you'd seen actual shootings across across the street from your house like you had seen people get shot yeah. correct yeah tell me a little bit about growing up what was that like what was your environment so on and so forth yeah so i mean i had this like my my mom had planned out this one route we were allowed to go to school, like whether we were walking or riding our bikes. If we stayed to this one street there and back, it was fairly safe. Mm-hmm. If we went one block up, one block down, like my mom was like, you can't go there. It's like in Lion King, like the Shadowlands, right? Like yeah. Simba's like, well, what's <laughs> out there? You can't go out there, you know? The like, hyenas. Yeah, avoid, the hyenas, avoid. you know? So, so I had these routes to go, but, and so growing up, I kind of felt not ignorant, but was kind of, Unknow- I didn't really know what was out there until I started like getting a little bit older yeah, and going over to other friends' houses and seeing kind of where they lived. And, and, and yeah, and then San Bernardino, just I remember 10 or top 10 most dangerous cities mm-hmm. in the U.S. And so, yeah, so growing up, yeah, if we varied on a way, I mean, bikes were getting stolen. My brother was riding to school one day and got pushed off his bike, got his bike stolen, you know, <laughs> like literally just guys jumped out from behind a bush, pushed him, his bro- his buddy off, like. <laughs> And, and then, yeah, early, like early high school, late middle school, there was a graduation party across the street from my house that got out of hand and, you know, the fight broke out in the streets and then all of a sudden gunshots erupted. Um, a guy and his girlfriend got shot and killed. Um, he got like five, six shots to the chest, like, Jeez. um, somebody knocked. And you were how, how old you said? Um, like 13. That's so 13, crazy. 13, 14, maybe. Yeah. And then seeing. You know, the guy that was trying to do CPR came to our door covered in blood, was like, can I wash off in your sink? And like police were everywhere. It was like, yeah, it was scary. Like, that it was, is nuts. I, uh, I don't wish anyone to ever have to like see that happen. Exactly. Um, but it was really around that same time that I had gotten into high school. So my friends started kind of mixing with other crowds and getting into gangs. And yeah, and that's kind of where my eyes were kind of opened as to like, oh, crap, this is where I this is where I live. Yeah. 
Totally. And that's like, that's, yeah, you just, uh, like you said, your eyes were open. Your perspective probably shifted big time. So what was family life like at that time? So grew up. Yeah. One of six kids. So middle, middle, middle boy. So same, five boys, five boys and my little sister. Um, My dad worked as a plumber, owned his own plumbing company growing up and then sold that uh, to get more into kind of just managing with someone else. He was like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the owner and be the guy that has to make all the decisions. I'd rather just find a good team and and run it. So he worked for a a bigger company and Mm. kind of did that to help balance his time because he wanted to disconnect a little bit from work and have more time with family. And as the owner of his business, even when he was home, he was working Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so in my early life, like he was Nielsen plumbing was his, you know, his company. And then he worked for a bigger kind of general contractor plumbing company built schools and hospitals cool. and that stuff. And so cool. I'd spend my summers digging ditches for him, working, you know, working for them, getting paid, you know, either under the table or, you know, or, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so labor hard work wasn't really a stranger to me for sure. And um, we had a vegetable garden, you know, fruit trees, all that kind of stuff. We ate a lot of what we grew, but it was just, I mean, honestly, childhood was fun. Like my brother, you have, family, you know, you have, yeah, you have oh, yeah. siblings, your middle kid, like it's rowdy. Oh yeah. And I love it. I loved it. But I, I always just kind of looked for the good, like yeah. you know, where I lived, you know, I looked for the good, um, in the elf costume, I looked for the good. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so that's really cool. And you just answered. So one of my questions for a little bit later on was like, you're you, to do what you do and be where you're at, which we're going to get to, you have to have an insane amount of grit. And like what grit means is like, regardless of how things are, you're just doing like the shitty work if that's what it takes. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I think that just answered a big question of a part of where you got it. The fact that you were out while you were growing up doing the manual labor, digging ditches, whatever it consisted yeah. of, like that's so, and you probably realize now how big of an actual blessing that okay. was more than in the moment. In the moment, you're probably just like, I'm doing what I'm told, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And now you realize how big it is. So that's really, really cool. So fast forwarding even farther than there, you went, the timeline I'm I'm not as familiar with, but at some point you became a technician. So you were actually spraying the, the pest control, correct? Yeah. And then you've worked your way like crazy through that. So in a very quick, quick explanation of that, what yeah. did that look like for you? Yeah, so 2007, I was recently engaged, trying to figure out where to start my wife, my, my life with my wife and stuff at. Started working for the company uh, as a tech uh, to the end of 2007. Mid-2008, I became a service manager kind of over the technicians. Mm-hmm. 2009, uh, moved up to the Bay Area, opened up a branch for the company, was the branch manager. So trucks, chemicals, hiring labor, payroll, like you ran like your own company, everything up from what I understand. Yeah. And we like, we were one of, I was one of four branches at the time there. And now we're over like 180 locations nationwide. And so I kind of saw that. And then towards the end of the summer as the the manager, I was doing the sales rep payroll and things because we were such a small Mm -hmm. company at that point. And I was like, wow, these guys in a summer are making how much? (laughs) And I'm like, I'm working 10, 12, 13 hour days as a branch manager and these guys in a summer are making the good guys are making as much or, or more in a four month summer than I am in a 12 month year. Yeah. So I was like, I'm on the wrong side of the company. I got <laughs> to pack up and get up to Utah. And so I, uh, kind of in a mutual kind of thought process, the, the CEO and president had all had already been talking about moving me up. They're like, he has the top customer retention, top rep retention, top producing office. Like he gets it. Mm-hmm. but we've never had someone move from operations to sales. Typically people are trying to get off the doors and move into something yeah. you know, different, but I was eager. And I, I saw that for us to grow, for me to grow in my position on the operation side, we had to be growing in sales Yeah. without the sales side growing. I was kind of capped or, you know, damned or whatever you want to say. Yep. And so I moved to the sales side and took my knowledge of what the products actually were, what service we actually did, how things actually worked. Like I took that with me and trained the reps on how the service, you know, how things actually went. And there's, yeah. I mean, in sales, there's always like the operations and sales side and the sales guy said this, or the operations guy, you know? So yeah, I think that you knew both sides, I knew both sides and that helped really set expectations correctly for customers, set expectations correctly for sales reps. And so yeah, I went out and sold my first summer, 2010, um, to Phoenix, Arizona. So nice and cold, yeah. <laughs> uh, great weather. I actually loved it there. It was it was such a good. Have you summer. seen the videos of people boiling oh. eggs on oh, the yeah. hood of their car? Have yep. you seen that yeah. in Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were like there were melted <laughs> trash cans and like like mailboxes that had melted like over and stuff. And but... just so everyone understands what this means, this means you're walking from nine ten a.m. Mm-hmm. until nine ten p.m. Yeah. and knocking on doors. No, no segways back then. Yeah. Like cell phones were even like you know I had my big like Bluetooth Your headset earpiece <laughs> in like with the Razor flip phone like. So dated, but I mean, yeah, it was, it was hot and, and it, but it, it taught me 
again, that perseverance and that I signed up for this, this is what I'm going to do. And I, you know, finished that first year and then became a, you know, team leader the next year and managed a team in Utah and then a division manager the next year and a regional manager the next year and then a senior regional then a VP, then a senior VP and now uh, president of, of sales. And Super so, cool. yeah, kind of in my regional side of things. So from my 2010 to 2020, my region had produced about 500,000. So just shy of like half a million accounts. That's amazing. In that, kind of in that span. And then as, as a president of sales, we've done, you know, 200 and 300,000 mm-hmm. you know, accounts in a summer. And it's been, uh, it's been pretty fun. That's a blast. That's, that's so cool. And it's cool how quickly that happened. Like that, that's very, very cool. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. In there, you said something really, really key that I think stands out to me big time because I recognize it being in a very similar situation or similar, similar industry, obviously is you said when they were talking about transitioning you from the service side to the sales side, they said he gets it, right? And you yeah. like said that and then you just kept going. But I think anyone who really understands what you're saying is like, yeah, that that's like some people really just get it. What does that mean? I think they, people will express an interest. Like I was reading the sales manual, even though it wasn't a required part of me being on the operation side. I was going out with the sales reps and watching them on the doors and like even knocking my own doors myself. Like, cause I was like, if they can do it, I can do it. And if I'm going to help them, sell better accounts. I need to know how they're doing it. And so like, I just, without it even being part of my job description, I was doing the little things that showed, I guess, showed the the boss that I was interested in that side of things and I was doing it well. Yeah. But I think people that get it, they're just kind of, they're either their, their, their third eye or, you know, whatever, like they're perceptive, they're perceptive. They're able to kind of pick up on things that maybe other people don't. Yeah. I think, was it, uh, What's the Virgin founder, uh, Richard Branson, Brunson, Branson? I know who you're talking about. Yeah. The, the, he, uh, he said, you know, if you're ever asked to do something, say yes, and then figure out how to do it later. Yeah. And I've always just kind of lived by that where if I, if there's an ounce of me thinking I can do something, I'm just going to jump in and say, yeah, I got this. And then I'll figure it out. Absolutely. Once I've already done it. And so I think that's the people that get it are willing to take risks and they know that they're either going to succeed and it's going to help them or they're going to fail or not, not fail. Cause fail. I hate the word failure, but yeah. they're going to not succeed and learn. And that learning process is going to help them do better yep. moving forward. And so I, I think the only failure in life and the people that get this, get that too. The only failure is when you don't win and you don't learn from what happened for sure. But any outcome, like whether it's a win or a loss and again, very sports oriented, like to like, you look at a game, you either win a game or you lose a game. But if you lose, you go back and you watch the footage, you watch the game footage, you watch what happened yep. and you say, okay, this is where we lost the game. This is where they won the game. This is what I can do different next time. When they cut here, I need to be there. Yep. Like it's that just perpetual, I've never learned enough, like the perpetual climb of, of life. And it's just always figuring out what can I do better? Where did I fall short? Yep. And, and so I'm, I'm kind of in this, like, like, I don't really do a lot of like big like large goal setting. Like I, I'm very much like, like, like Casey Ball, like weekly planning and like very much just 
I like to look at where I'm at. Today's another day. Today's a new day. Like I'm alive. I'm not dead yet. I'm still breathing. Yeah. If I'm still breathing, it means I have some fight left in me. If I have some fight left in me, that means I, I can still do something. And so for, for sure. me, it's just always just trying to figure out what more I can do today than yesterday. And it's, it's never this. And if you do that daily, you look back and you're like, wow, look how far I've come. Yep. But if you set a goal, it's too, you know, broad or whatever, then you're like in five years, I'm going to be a millionaire. Yeah. Uh, if you don't reverse engineer that and say, here's how you get wish. there, then, yeah, then it's, it's a wish. Yeah, a goal without a deadline is just a dream, you know? Exactly. Right. So you just said it and I've, I've put a lot of thought into like when I, when I find people, I'm like, wow, they just get it. And like the people I look up to, I'm like, oh, they just get it. Mm-hmm. And kind of one thing, and you just said it, uh, one thing that's always stood out to me is they just take extreme ownership, mm-hmm. like in every facet of what they're doing. Like you, you were doing a lot of things you were not told by anyone to do. You weren't waiting on anyone yeah. to go and do the extra stuff. You literally just took extreme ownership. And then you got very clear about why you were doing what you were doing. And you just kept executing on the little things that obviously end up magnifying and getting uh, compounding and getting huge to the yeah. point where it's like, how did like, where you're at is for a lot of people in your industry at your company, they couldn't imagine being in your spot. Right. And yeah. you were literally a technician. Yeah. Right. And you, you worked your way all the way up. Yeah, right. And Compact. I look back, like when I'm having a, like a tough day or whatever, I look back and I'm like, man, in 2007, did I ever imagine being the president of the company or president of sales? Exactly. Did exactly. I, did I, did I ever, you know, dream of having the, the cars or the home that I have now, or, you know, owning a sneaker store up in Idaho or, of, you know, snow, I was out snowmobiling on Sunday with Jordan Clarkson. Like, yeah, you know, like, exactly. I'm like, and how long, like, that's like, if you're having a rough day, like look back to like some not so pleasant times in your life and like, look where you're at and count your blessings. And like, and again, the biggest blessing is just being alive. Yeah. Like the big ones. Yeah. The the day that like you wake up today, that's today's your day. And so for me, it's, it's, yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess I'm like the, the, the Drake of pest control. I started from the bottom now, 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 we, now we hear, um, but, but yeah, That's I just, amazing. yeah, I, 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 yeah, I just, I, I, I wish that I would have honestly taken risks on myself sooner in life. Like For I sure. did, I always did things out of necessity. Like if I wanted to play sports, I had to sell chocolates. If I wanted to pay for school. I, you know, if I wanted to do this, I had to do that. If I wanted a car, I had to do, if I wanted clothes, I had to go sell something. And like, yeah, it was always out of necessity, which again, shaped me because I, I didn't have any choice. And when yep. you're between a rock and a hard place, your only choice is to fight, you know, through. But I, I wish that something that I, that I love seeing in like the younger generation of sales reps and people that I work with is, is trying to train them to bet on themselves sooner and earlier in life than, than I did. Mm-hmm. My first summer selling pest control, I was 26 years old. So like I was on the operation side at 23, 24, 25, 26. And then yeah. I was out knocking doors. So I started way later in my career than most other people do. You know, they come into it out of high school or or whatever. And yeah. I just wish I would have bet on myself for sure sooner. No, I think that's a, I think that's amazing advice. Um, and segueing off something you just said kind of answers how I think you'll answer this question. You said something really cool about failures and kind of how you view them. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, something it's my favorite question to ask anybody I ever sit down with, especially people who are in a position where I think when you reach a certain level of monetary success, people separate you from them. And they they like and I know I'm guilty of it when I would look at people like a Casey Barr, some of my mentors in life, I'd be like, oh, they're just like they don't get this. They're they're here. Yeah, like they're in a totally they live a different life than I live. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think one way to really go and, and bring people back down to earth in that sense is like I love to hear about and understand number one, your biggest at the time seemed like a failure, or you could call it a trial or a low or like yeah. a give up point and what that was, how you felt, if you don't mind sharing, and then also how you went and got out of that hole. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far. It was brought to you by Alchemy Sales Coaching. Now, I typically don't run ads, um, but I feel very strongly about Alchemy Sales Coaching. I started doing one-on-one coaching with Doug back in 2019. And since then, I have gone and not only blown up my career and my earnings, um, but it's really helped me through just the ups and downs of life. Now, the reason I feel so strongly about Alchemy is because it's a group of individuals not only focusing on furthering their sales career, but they're diving deep into inner work um, and becoming the best version of yourself so you can show up and be the best version of yourself. Um, not only that, if you have any interest in doing any one-on-one coaching with me, I exclusively do all of my one-on-one coaching through Alchemy. Um, so for full access to me, go and check out Alchemy. 
I think you'll absolutely love it. It's alchemysalescoaching.com. We will also go and post um, the links in our bio and on stories, et cetera. So go check it out. Now we're back to the episode. Enjoy. So I have two. Let's I think the, the first one, you know, I was, I was pretty young. The first one was really when my house burned down. Um, I mean, that, that was, I can imagine, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I can imagine the house was built. My, my great grandpa built the house. He owned a, a, bl- a block and cement company in, in town, built the house with the bricks he was making at his factory. Like it was passed on to my mom as like a, a will, like, a you know, thing when he passed away. So like we were living there. My grandpa, when he was a kid's like handprints were in the cement. Like that's it so was just crazy. like, it was like, it was like our family thing. Like all the family came for Thanksgivings and Christmases. It was built for entertaining. And, and again, like again, one or two blocks up, one or two blocks down, like it wasn't the best of, of places, but our little neighborhood was, was like, it was just the best. Yeah. And so I was just graduated from high school, fire startup on the mountain. I'm, you know, grab my camera, I'm filming and stuff. And I ended up selling my footage to one of the news stations for a decent amount of money because I was getting footage before even they, they were. were. But then the smoke was coming down and the fire department was like, hey, you got to leave. We don't think the fire is going to get down this far. Just grab like your important documents. Hopefully you'll be back in the house in the next day or two. But you guys got to leave in 10 to 15 minutes. Dude. So we grabbed just basic stuff like my, you know, like social security cards, birth certificates, fo- photo albums. Didn't grab like. I had, I mean, I, I, I collect like, you know, collect stuff, collect sneakers, collect trading cards, things like that. I had like unopened boxes of Pokemon movie, like cards oh. that nowadays would like, would have been worth like yeah. worth a bunch. Like I had boxes of sealed cards and stuff like, so, but you're not thinking about any of that stuff. Like I, I left and within 15 minutes of us leaving the house would burn down, like oh my it God. burned down. Um, the, the positive side was because we were only one of the only houses with brick i mean so this is how i kind of got through that so that that call of hey you know how'd that feel like my uncle my uncle called my mom he was in tears i tried to save the house i pulled out the garden hose like it was already caught fire and uh we like it was just all of our stuff is is gone like clothes none of that stuff really it was like the memories and like this is where we live this was home like that's the yeah like buying a new house or moving because you want to move somewhere is way different than moving because you have to you know and absolutely and and uh and so that was i was the oldest one at home at the time my oldest brother was in college my other older brother was on his uh lds mission you know across the united states and so i was there being the oldest son or the oldest sibling um, to kind of help with the younger, the, the three younger kids. And like, yeah. well, my parents were figuring out, do we rebuild? Do we buy like all of this stuff? And, um, it was later that night that I had kind of just been thinking, I was like, well, most of the houses were, were made out of like, you know, wood. Ours was brick. So our house, when it burned, it all burned and then fell inside. And so no, like no fire embers, like spread down below us. So like all the houses, Your house, like, stopped house, it. like, our house kind of stopped it. Oh, wow. And so like, I was like, well, if our house had to burn down to save 20, 30, 50, a hundred other homes, then I'll take that bet. Yeah. Like, and so I started oh, thinking gosh. like the, that's kind of that around that time is where I was taught to kind of be a serial optimist, mm-hmm. like try to find the silver lining in anything and everything. So even then it was like, okay, well, if our house had to burn down to save everyone else's houses below us from burning down, then then great. Cause we had, we ended up having good, good insurance and stuff. And so my parents were able to buy a house in Utah, move up, get out of debt. Yeah. Raising six kids wasn't cheap. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, absolutely. so they were able to do that. And then at the, at the same time, like, because whether it's the universe or karma or God, um, saying, well, you know, if, if, if he allowed this to happen or if the universe allowed this to happen to me, where does God or the universe or karma want me to be? Like, maybe this is, the world, the universe's way of saying, Kyle, move somewhere else. Yeah. Get a new circle of friends. Yeah. Like I wasn't really doing a lot. I was working a kind of a dead end job at a movie theater, um, delivering medical records and labs, you know, as well with like a medical facility down there. And I really just kind of was the same circle of friends from high school. Everyone was just kind of doing the same thing. I was filming skateboarders and, you know, doing their videos and their sponsor videos and stuff. But the routines I was in weren't helping me get ahead. They were just kind of keeping me engaged in this kind of just this current i wasn't getting forward it wasn't two steps forward one step back it wasn't one step forward two steps back it was just kind of stagnant yeah and so i, I took it as 
this happening to me is a wake up call to be where I, where I should be. So you leaned into it. Yeah. Like I leaned into really... it and said, okay, this is, if life wants me to move somewhere else, it's move somewhere else. Which is crazy as, cause you're straight out of high school. Yeah. That is a crazy mindset to have. Like I know 30 year olds that wouldn't look at it that yeah. way. They would let it defeat the next five years of their life and they would be a, a victim of it. Yeah. Like where I have a few questions on what you just said, but first one would be like, where did you, where did that come from? Where did you like? Yeah. Um, I kind of had to be positive my whole life. I mean, I, if I wanted a new pair of shoes, you know, like if I wanted something, I had to go work for it and thinking about what I wanted and not getting it. Or just like thinking about something and not figuring out a plan of how to get there. Like it just didn't work for me. It was always okay to get there. This is what I have to do. Yep. This is what I want. Here's how I'm going to get it. And so like, if you sit there and just wallow in your sorrows and you're like, poor me, poor me, poor me, that doesn't do yeah. good. You can, I mean, for a second, like I, I'm all for mourning. Like if you lose somebody or some, you know, close family member dies, like something tragic happens, absolutely take the time you need to like feel bad and, yeah, and like, go mourn. through it. But mourning for too long and also celebrating for too long. Like I'm, I'm kind of in this like stay in the middle, you know, absolutely. phase in my life. Like you celebrate too hard. Someone else is going to come out and like and beat, beat, you. beat your record. Beat like, you, you while you're, you're celebrating. Doing. Exactly. And yeah. if you, if you stay in your, in your sorrow points for too long, it's, it's going to take a lot more to get out, like get back up to your normal baseline of behavior. And so I kind of just told myself there's no choice, like no amount of sor sorrow or sadness can bring my house back and bring things back. Yeah. And so there's, there's no point in like super, yeah, doing that. And then, um, we went to like a, a, a leader from, from our, our church showed up and, uh, and talked to the people that lost their homes and kind of related, relate a story of, you know, somebody in, in like church history who, had built a farm and failed, had to move to a different state, built a farm, failed, had to move, built a farm and failed, had to move, built a farm and failed, had to move like five times. Yeah. And then finally where they found a spot, their farm, their farm worked, their crops grew, they could stay, they could plant their roots. And like that parent was where that kid needed, the son needed, you know, like it's just, it just it worked like, out. Yeah. It was kind of the thing like where if you're not moving or progressing, but you're, you're living a good life, you're being a good person, you want to help people. Like the universe or God is going to push you in certain directions, like almost like I'm um, like a pinball machine or bumper bumpers in a bowling alley. You yeah, know? Like yeah, yeah. You're going to bounce around a little bit, but eventually you're going to end up where you need to be. Totally. If you're moldable, if you don't fight it, like yeah, if you don't fight the current, you kind of run with it. And so that's kind of where the big heavy mindset came from was was kind of deciding before that this is what I'm going to do. I can't bring my house back, so I might as well move forward. Yeah. And then hearing him relate that story of. Uh, of that where it's like okay like failures happen and you fail until you don't like you fail until you don't and that you fail until you don't that's kind of like yeah what what goes <laughs> through my head all the time i mean one of my favorite quotes ever and in all of our offices we put it up and it's like our motto is you just you cannot beat someone who doesn't quit period yep. and that's yep. like a will smith like yeah he's gonna die before he gets off the treadmill yep. if that's what it comes down to and you just can't beat someone who doesn't quit which is so cool and that's such a mature like at that age, like that's such a mature, that's super cool to hear. It's a very mature outlook and perspective to have for sure. Yeah. Um, and then my next question on what you just went over and then we'll dive into your second kind of low of all lows yeah. would be, you said something, you said, I, I, at this point in life was when I had learned or someone had just taught me to be a serial optimist. Like, yeah. Who was that? Who, who taught you to be a serial optimist or where did you learn that? Where did you yeah. pick it up? And what does that mean? I think it was a collection of like just childhood mentors, coaches, baseball. I mean, I, I'm not athletic. I mean, I, I try to be athletic. I'm not. Don't do that with by, your hand. Don't do that you know, and say, like, I think you I look mean, great. I look great. I, mean, I would not wear those tights that anyway, well. Exactly. I, I I pull it off. Exactly. But like, I'm not, I'm not Michael Jordan. I'm not Kobe Bryant. I'm not LeBron James. I'm not out there dunking on people. Like I can hang, but things didn't come naturally to me. I wasn't just this natural. I couldn't pick up a baseball and just be magical. I couldn't pick up any, you know, you know, people that pick up any instrument they can play. You can, they pick up any sport and they just dominate yeah it's like nothing really ever came naturally to me skateboarding um love skateboarding and i evolved into having to film skateboarding because i kept breaking too many bones skateboarding because of just how clumsy i was like but you still I, wanted to be involved yeah so and so like it. yeah so i started filming oh, yeah. and it was great but like i i skated um goofy and mongo so like i'm pushing with my the front two most odd my ways. front foot and so my front foot for placements on tricks like it took me so much longer than all my friends to learn how to ollie and kickflip and board slide, like, and everything. So it was kind of just, okay, they're, they're picking it up way faster, but I, I got this. I'm not going to give up until I can. Mm -hmm. And so that with sports, my dad just growing and 
he was super hands-on. He was as he was assistant coaching or coaching as much as he could when, and we were on sports teams growing up. He was super hands-on yeah. with that. And, and I think that that was super helpful having just figures that were involved um, Absolutely. in it. And then my mom, my mom too, was just always just in tune with just keeping things on the positive, positive side. Yeah. Just making things work. Like yeah. she just, I think seeing her um, be a stay at home mom for with us and with the kids and shuttling us around all of our activities. And just, she yeah. was never like, I don't remember her ever complaining about which is crazy. things well, which, with six kids. It's, it's tough. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm a dad of two and that's, that's tough. <laughs> um, but like, I, so seeing her be positive and just having these other figures that were just always like, keep going, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that helped me kind of, kind of ad- adopt that serial optimist. So mindset. that's so cool. And the reason I touch on it, like I, I would say, I would argue that's like the, the biggest superpower someone can have. Mm-hmm. Like if someone could be, and I've never heard that term, but the way you explain it, like a serial optimist like that, that's, you will go thrive in any situation you're put in if you can go and take that perspective into what you're, whatever you're going into. Yeah. Like, I think that's so, so, so key. Yeah. And I think like one last thing that popped in my head when you were kind of going over that, like growing up, we did a lot of service. We always did like service projects and like I was a boy scout and like went through the Eagle stuff and helping people move. And every Saturday there always, there was always something, whether it was like a sports game or like helping someone move out of their house or moving yep. to their, to the neighborhood. And so getting woken up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday where you want to just go play with your friends and ride bikes and swim, but you had to go help somebody move like early on with my, and we we were a family of five boys, you know? So everyone's like, Oh, the moving team's here. Cause we're all there. And you can either go into that angry yeah, or go into it saying, Hey, like, and even when you went into angry, we always finished the day, like feeling way better. Like we always finish the day. The house has moved out. It's cleaned up. You've eaten the donuts. You ate the pizza, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you high five everybody and you always felt better. And so I think over time it shifted from, okay, I'm going to dread getting out of bed to go help this family move to this is what we do. We're going to end up enjoying it anyways. Like, again, you can't yeah. change it. It has to happen. You got, they either have help or they don't. And yeah. You're their help. So I think that's one of the other things, just learning to give and volunteer at a younger age, like at a younger age is definitely something that I, I think that any parent should put their kids in positions to be charitable and to give and to volunteer. Totally. It helps shift their mindset entirely. One of my biggest role models goes by the secret to living is giving, oh, like 100%. give until it hurts. And, 100%. And I've, I've definitely seen that. And that's when everyone's at their happiest. So I love that. That's yeah. really, really cool. Okay. So number two, the next, like when I say the biggest low, yeah, what would that be? So I went into my first summer selling, like my first summer leading, like leading a team and stuff, pretty naive. Yeah. Right. Like everyone that gets into management or has a chance to manage any group of people, whether it's in sales or somewhere else, like you're going to learn and you're going to make a lot of mistakes that first year. Yeah. So I had recruited like 30, like 29 people, 29 reps. Yep. They all showed up less than half finished the summer. Oh yeah. Like oh, yeah. granted Arizona was hot. Like everything got, it, it was, wasn't the most ideal place. It wasn't the beach. It wasn't New York. Like it was hot and miserable. Even at night, like I'd go shopping with my wife at 10 39 to the grocery store is still over hundred degrees. I, oh like, my gosh. And, and so like half my team, more than half my team finished, like went home. So I think I only had 11 finished the summer. And yeah. like that to me was unacceptable. Like I brought friends out. I brought like mission companions. I brought, you know, friends, roommates. Like I was reaching into like my circle of people. Yeah. And I was like, here's this experience, this opportunity. And I gave them the opportunity. I did well, like other people finished it well. Yeah. But I had to analyze it. I took extreme ownership of that result. And instead of blaming it on them or blaming it on the heat or blaming it on, you know, trying to justify why the result happened yep. with outside forces, I said, what could I have done better? Yeah. And so I looked inward and I said, okay, I, I, I babied my, my team too much. Yeah. I actually ran to their aid and their support way too often. Having come from the operations side, I'd get a call. Hey, I lost my keys to my tool bin that all my chemicals are locked in. Okay, I'll be right there. Hey, I lost the hole that I used to knock down spider webs and wasp nests. Okay, I'll go to Home Depot. I'll be right there. Like yeah. that that type of leadership was was very much here's a call. Okay, I'm coming to help you out. Hey, I'm out of gas in my truck. Okay, I'll be right there. Yeah. Um, and these types of calls with the reps, it was, hey, I forgot my clipboard, my paperwork. Okay, well, I have an extra clipboard in my trunk. I'll go grab it and I'll drive to you. You were like their, yeah, their and, one and stop so, shop. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, I was running to their aid. Hey, I, my car partner's on answering his phone. I need to go to the bathroom. Okay. I'll be right there. And so I, I kind of didn't let them figure it out on their own. Yeah. And what I found when I looked back, I said, okay, 
if people, if people really want to help other people, which really that's what sales is. You're, you're, you're helping other people either live more conveniently, live with less stress, live with more security, live with more assurance. Like anything sales should be a win-win and it's never, you should never walk away from a sale feeling like, okay, I totally just won this person. Like yeah. I won, they lost. Like oh, sales yeah. is always a win-win. And that's, it has if, you're, to be. if you're not selling that way, then, you know, look in the mirror and evaluate how you're selling. But selling should always be a win-win. It's not always 50-50, just like in, in marriage or in anything. Like it's not always an equal, equally yoked, like scaled, perfectly balanced. Yep. Day-to-day, hour-to-hour, week-to-week. Like it's, it's, it's a, a balance of coming in and out. And so for me, I said, okay, I, I, was, I made them too soft. I ran to their ran to their rescue too much. I didn't let them figure things out. Like what I should have said is, Hey, there's a you know thing called Uber, which back then there wasn't, but found a different way. Grab a taxi or, you know, call your car partner or have your wife bring your clipboard. If you want to make sales, you figure out how to make sales. Yeah. Cause if you want to help other people, but you can't help yourself, you can't help other people. Yep. And so I, I told myself next year when I recruit and when I build a team, when I lead a team, I'm going to lead a little bit different and I'm going to lead by example. And so what I found by, by that too, so two things. So one, I, I came to their aid for too, too much. So they were relying on me for too many things Two, because I wasn't outselling myself. Like I was yeah. driving around all day, being logistics, helping other people. I wasn't putting up the numbers as a leader. Yeah. And historically, like what I found at least in pest control is that a leader, a team leader or a manager, they're the reps that are lead that are being led by that person are typically going to sell half to a third, like, you know, yep. one, one half to a third of the amount of accounts that you're selling as a leader. Yep. And so if you're not leading by example with what matters, like hours worked, time out on the doors, numbers posted up, serviced accounts, like if you're not showing the pace, if you're not the pace car yeah. of your team or of your racing, your racing team, they're not going to win the race. Absolutely. And so those are my, those are my two takeaways, but I, I finished my summer feeling like a freaking failure. Yeah. Like I wanted to go back to the operations side. I wanted to call the, the call the, the owner and say, Hey, I'm not cut out for this. I want to go back to the to operation side. Like I, I failed as a leader. We did this, this, and this, and this, like I, I can do, I should have done better. Like I had just a lot of regret, Absolutely. but instead of wallowing in that and like hanging up on it, I said, okay, well, what can I do differently? I didn't let anybody run to my, run to my rescue and say like, Hey, it's okay, Kyle, poor Kyle. You did good. You did the best that you could with the, you know, the reps you were given, the circumstances you were given. Like exactly. I didn't, I didn't take any of that. Like, I just was like, no, I could have done better. Here's what I'm going to do next year to do, to do, to do better and be different. I'm going to hire the right people, set expectations correctly. And now that I know what I'm dealing with, here's how I'm going to change it moving forward. And then like, it just, it exponentially grew. And I about doubled my growth every single year moving forward and created more leaders and delegated more. And so I kind of had that, that like this all time low. And I remember like one of the last days of the summer, I was, you know, showering in the morning. And if I ever had to have a good cry, you know, showers, the spot, you showers every the time, spot, right? Like, every time. Yeah. <laughs> for any, any summer sales reps out there, if you're going to cry, cry in the, cry in the shower, washes it down. No one knows. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> but like, I just goes like, man, I'm a freaking loser. Like this, my team sucked. I did half of what I said I was going to do the rest of the guy, you know? And so, but I was like, there's no sense in leaning on this longer. I'm not going to be this person that just is trying to blame someone else. I'm also not going to blame myself forever. I'm going to learn what I learned and I'm going to move, move on and move, move forward. hundred percent. I think again, exactly like exactly what early on was so, so crucial. And what we were talking about with extreme ownership, like you just get it, like you do just get it because in that exact situation, um, especially in the industry that we're in, you have an off year. You obviously don't have to do the job. You don't earn nearly what you thought you were going to earn, but it's all on you. It's cool clearly your fault, which is a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. I think a lot of people's pride get in the way of a true extreme ownership of like, okay, that was my bad. Cause you could have bounced. Like you could have been very easily recruited. Had you not been owning up to it, Mm -hmm. you could have also gone back to the tech side, so on and so forth. So I think that's like the biggest lesson in all of that is you literally looked at it as, okay, that's on me. I need to go make the corrections. And you did that. And then now look at it. Like it compounded. And 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 I didn't have, like, I didn't see the results I wanted. So instead of saying, oh, that was tough and like moving on to something different, yep. I doubled down. And I think that's what a lot of people are missing in like the trek of try of progression and trying to level up. Oh yeah. Is they, they either get to a level or they fall short and they're like, oh, I tried like the whole, I tried and then they move on to something different. Like, exactly. Everybody's trying to be the next Uber, the next, you know, they're, they're trying to create the next, but like 
they never stick with something long enough to really see see the results. Exactly. And so instead of running away, I doubled down. And by doubling down and saying job not finished, you know, like Kobe, I love the the uh, Kobe Bryant clip where he's in like game three or four of the finals or whatever. And they're like, Hey, you just won. You're up two and O. Oh. And uh, he's like, the, the interviewer's like, why aren't you smiling? Why aren't you happy? He's like, why should I be job not finished? Yeah. Championship one. No job, not finished. Like exactly. And then, and so like I, anytime I feel like there's unfinished business, like I'm not going to give up until I finish until I cross the T's dot the I's like get the job, get the job done. hundred percent. Like that's, I think it's, that's super unique and that's, such a common trait between all the top 1%. It's so common. And anyone, anyone that you see that's in the top 1% of whatever category you're in, whatever, whatever career you've chosen, they have that exact same outlook, right? And if they don't, they won't be at the top, the top for very long. Cause yeah. once it gets hard, they're going to find something else an easier, quicker way, whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. Um, so touching on, you, you talked about it a lot. You talked about quite a few characteristics of a successful leader like i think one thing that you've dominated in is leading and and from what i understand about you what i've I've learned about you like that's you're a phenomenal leader for a lot of reasons and that doesn't mean it's that doesn't mean you have the title of the president of sales it's not why you're a phenomenal leader the title doesn't need a title to be a leader no it's the influence right and it's it's the impact that you have on the people that follow you right and the pull you have what what are some other characteristics of a successful leader so you mentioned a couple extreme ownership you let you lead from the front you analyzed the problems that you had gone through and things that you hadn't done perfectly or well, you went and you corrected and then you doubled down when things got hard rather than shying away, Yeah, which is the opposite of what most people do. What are some other traits of yeah. a good leader? Um, or would you say those are like the big, I the mean, big for me, props? those are, those are them. I think in, in, at least from, for my style of leadership, everybody's different, right? Like if you're, if you're more of a, like, you know, there's like, like type A red person, you know, all those different yep. colors of people. I'm not, you know, I don't know all, all that stuff, but like yeah. different personalities will lead different ways, but they're also going to attract people that can be led the that way, way that person can, you know, can totally. Lead. So I think learn what type of leader you are and figure out what it takes for you. But for me, like servant leadership, not, not coddling leadership, yep. but like servant leadership, like again, meaning if a kid falls on a bike, I help him up and push him again. Like not, I'm never going to teach them how to ride a bike because I don't want them to fall. Like that's coddling. Totally. Like, you got to let totally. people make some mistakes and learn on their own, but you're there to help them out. And you're there to say, Hey, I went through the same thing. This is what I did. Let's go do this together. And so I love that servant leadership, extreme ownership, doubling down when you don't see the results you want, like betting on yourself is, is, is big. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, you can't tell someone to bet on themselves unless you're doing it. Exactly. I see, I see so many, so many people and I'm sure I'm guilty of it. Absolutely. Like the, the quickest way to go and lose influence on people is try and tell them to do something yeah. you're either not actively doing or you haven't yeah. actively done in the past. Yeah. And I've seen it like firsthand many times. Right. Yeah. And so like something that I, I, I loved about like kind of the older, the older leaders, even like at, at Vivint and stuff, like I would still see like Casey Baugh go out and knock doors, not maybe not the whole summer, but he'd go out and, and, and sell when he needed to. Yep. Um, like the Franks, like the front. Oh yeah. Trevor's, Trevor's, Trevor's the man. still goes out and knocks. Trevor's the, the man. He bodied um, me in the cup. Like, yeah. And like, uh, Tom Karen over at Vantage, he'll go out and knock doors with his people. He's on the doors and he's, and he's older than I am, you know, at, at a young, at a young 38 years old, you know, here. Absolutely. And, and he still gets out there and, and does it. And so for me, I think that that's really key, at least to my style of leadership is, knowing what your people are facing and being able to empathize with them for sure. And so for me, like I could have been off the doors, 2014, 15 latest, Absolutely. like grown my region, grown into the positions I have. And I probably still would have gone in, you know, become one of the presidents of sales and stuff, but I, I still knocked doors and sold 2016, 17, 18, 19 and 20. For sure. And, um, and that's when I, that's when I sort of cut you off, but that's when I say like your title doesn't really determine your leadership, like your influence does. And uh, I guarantee had you just stopped yeah. cold Turkey back in 2014, you may have the title you have now, but you definitely wouldn't have. Yeah. And you recognize like you, you absolutely recognize that yeah, you wouldn't have the influence you have and, and call it like imposter syndrome. Cause I think that any, any, I think any high level owner, manager, entrepreneur suffers from some level of like imposter syndrome yeah. where they question their abilities. Like, I think that's kind of human nature anyways, absolutely. but. I always kind of thought in the back of my head, like, why am I even here now? Like, how did I get this opportunity? Why am I blessed with these opportunities, this, this, this leadership, this opportunity of earnings, this position. And I always lived under this, like in the back of my mind, I knew that I could wake up the next day and it could be gone. Yep. You know, the company could close its doors or sell off or 
door-to-door sales could get banned nationwide. Like there, something could change and my job could be over in a second. Yep. And so I, I was always kind of like, okay, what am I going to do to stay relevant to my people and my leaders and my, my, my reps and like my, my tribe, how can I stay relevant? And so it, when I wanted to be done in 15, you know, in 16, Yelp was a lot more heavy. And then 17, Nextdoor app and Facebook neighborhood groups where you're either getting blasted or praised on groups and people are shutting their doors, then doorbell cameras and then COVID. And like, so every year there was something, something, something new that was creeping into like our space that was requiring us to tweak a little bit about how we approached homes yeah, and how we carried out. And to sales. show your people you could still do yeah, it. Yeah. And so it was, it was to show them I still, I still had some dog in me. Yeah. And, and two, it was to show them that if I could do it, they could. Yep. And that even at my age, I wasn't above knocking on doors and I wouldn't like, if you want to, you want to see, see the dog come out, like, tell me I can't do something. Like I actually love when someone says, I don't think you can do that, Kyle. Yeah. And like, I'm like, if you like, (laughs) I'm going to show you. And when someone's like, Hey, yeah, you got this. Like, I think that in, in life and in goal setting and anything, like you get too much praise early on. Like you're like, I'm going to lose some weight or I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to do this. I'm going to sell a, you know, a thousand accounts this summer. People get behind you. They rally and their intentions are good. Yeah. Yeah. You got this, man. I believe in you. If anyone can do it, you can, but that's like causing dopamine releases and stuff already in endorphins in your brain. You're getting that reward prematurely Yeah. where someone comes in and says, yeah, if it's against Kyle and this guy, I'm betting on this guy, or I don't think Kyle can sell 10 in a day or 20 in a day, or I don't think Kyle can do this or like you want to see me get going, like say, I can't do something. Exactly. And, and like Kanye West said, everybody needs a villain in like in, in the earlier interview and in his For career. Sure. And I think that's healthy to have either a villain or some sort of like fear rival. rival yeah, absolutely. Whether that's a competitor or, you know, yourself. But I, I think that's um, any leader should know that if they're not leading and continuing to level themselves up, whether that's for me, it was, it was keeping knocking doors and it was managing my own little team and creating new leaders. And it was showing the, the recruiting, you know, my group that I was recruiting and I'm telling them, Hey, build a team this next year. I got you. If they're not seeing me recruit new people through my own networks, how are they going to trust me with their recruits? Exactly. How are they going to trust me to train their people? If they're not seeing me train my own people. Exactly. And so that's kind of how I did it where other leaders, when they get off the doors, um, I think that, that you should never be the person that just is viewed as sitting in your office with your feet up on the desk, watching your banking out grow yeah. while everyone else is out grinding. Like if you're not reading books, taking, you know, taking like Harvard classes, like doing things beyond your career to still be the best leader you can bring to the table for your people. Yeah. Like, I think that's, that's to me, the most important thing about a leader is, is, is that job not finished mentality Absolutely. of there's still things I can learn. There's still things I can improve on and do better at. And if I can do better at these things than they can too. And if they're seeing me level up my life as their leader, who to them appears like, right. Oh, yeah. Look at Casey, like dude, 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 dude has it all. Yeah. Like he has it made. He has his life. He's set up. He, everything's like great, but he's, I mean, he's so dedicated with what anything he does. I mean, him picking up golf oh, yeah. and getting as good as he has in a short of time as he has, because he like dedicated it. Like you see that like that leveling up and that like job not finished mentality that doesn't fire ever stop has not gone out for, for like a Casey bar or for, for me. And I hope it never does. Absolutely. No, I, I agree hundred percent. I love that. I think that's like for anyone. And the thing with leadership too, is everyone's a leader. I've realized as well. Yeah. Like I, I was lucky enough to have people encourage me and not force me, but like really, really encourage me to take on a leadership mentality mm-hmm. when I was the worst rep in my entire region my first year, like, and I was reading 21 irrefutable laws of leadership wow. when I was lit. I didn't even know how to say like, I, yeah. So I was lucky enough to have that. So I think that that answer goes out to everyone in any aspect of life doing anything. Cause you will, leadership is influence. And at some point you're going to have influence over people. Yeah. Um, and you can either be a deposit in someone's life or you can suck the energy out of someone's life. So I think that's super, super key on that being, being the leadership in, in your position, you, you are surrounded by constantly and every year there's like a new a new youngest person at the company that you're at where you get yeah. to see every everyone coming from these new generations coming in into the industry and just into their adult life really like it's yeah. their first step into like real life like you've talked a lot about the the really really good traits that people could have and like the best things like what's something that you would tell people to avoid that you see as like 
maybe a cancerous or a very negative trait that people in the younger generation have or cling on to, or they take longer to let go of? Like, what would you, where would your advice come from there? Like a, a warning or a, hey, avoid this if you could, younger generation coming into your adult yeah. life. I think, again, the, the, the grass is greener on the other side. I think that, and I, I luckily avoided this era when I was dating and like, oh yeah, courting my wife and stuff. But like in the day and age of you can swipe up and swipe left and right and like a new date, a new person, a new, like there's just information overload and there's this abundance, like overload. Um, yeah. If I don't like this, there's that. If I don't like this company, I can go to another company. Or if I don't like this girl, there's another girl I can date the next night or, you know, like, and it's, so everybody is just, there's, um, I mean, even, even TikTok and like short form content, like we're just constantly like consuming new things where people are reading less, people are watching, you know, less of like the documentaries and like the history stuff. And like, there's a place for everything. I love a good laugh. I love a good sitcom. Like for I'll sure. watch a good show. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I think that uh, the younger generation should make their decision, the right decision. You know, one of my, my mentors, Vess uh, Pearson, our CEO, I'd kind of lived by that. Like if he made a decision, he said, this is what I decided. I'm going to see this through. Yeah. And, and so where, where there's so many people are asking the wrong people for advice mm -hmm. or they're putting it out there. Like, what should I do? Or, um, they go and air their grievances without really looking at themselves yet about like maybe a summer, like I could have blamed a lot of things on a lot of, on a lot of people and things that first year where I failed and just for sure my face for sure. But I said, this is what I could have done different to control my, my destiny, my outcome. And this is what I'm going to do different moving forward. And so I, I feel like the younger generation, um, I'd like to see them and, and a lot do, I'm not saying like, you know, a lot, yeah, absolutely. Do, but, no, absolutely. but the, if you can make a decision and see it through, like keep your commitments is there. And obviously if there's a better offer out there, a better deal out, there's always something better. There's always somebody that's, you know, that's going to be in better shape than the person you're dating, there's always, you know, there's always bright, shiny objects out there. Yep. Um, and I, I fall into that too, you know, sometimes with the sneakers, it's like, oh, another sneaker drop, another sneaker drop. And I, I, I can, I feel that pull to just always be jumping on the next wave. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that making your decision, the right decision and seeing it through and, and loyalty is, is a big thing where For sure. if you make a commitment to either somebody or something and they keep their commitment to you as well that should be like, that should be worth more than any amount of money, a sign on bonus, uh, you know, things that are out there and you'll find For people sure. that are perfectly happy with where they're at. And, um, you know, a competitor is going to come in and, and try to like create wedges and divides and be like, well, well, you're happy here, but you could do this here. Yeah. And like, obviously if, if you're with a company that's not keeping their commitments to you and like, you're not being treated right and like fairly and all of that kind of stuff. Like at the end of the day, if you're being honest with yourself and there absolutely. are goals, yeah, absolutely leave, get out of toxic relationships, get out of like, don't stay in any type of abusive or toxic relationship. Like, yeah. That shouldn't be where you stay, but you shouldn't leave prematurely. Like, absolutely. I feel like the, the people that I see and you've seen them too, they go and they kind of bounce around from company to company, chasing a bonus or chasing a percentage or chasing some sort of commission rate. And the person that's is the same or even let it lower qualified or like less of a salesperson is that person that just stayed put always in three more. to four or five years down the road is way more ahead. Cause every time you go, you're objectively starting over and you're, and you're only trading, you're trading one set of frustrations for a new set of frustrations. No company's perfect. No leader's perfect. No marriage is perfect. Like in the sooner you realize that perfection isn't achievable here, but that if you're looking at your leadership, you're looking at the people you're around the company you're with, if their intent is in the right place and their effort is in the right place, if they're putting work in to be the best they can and their heart is in the right place, meaning they want to take care of their people, their reps, their employees, their customers, like yeah. don't leave. Like yeah. you reset and then you're going to, if you're frustrated about one thing with this company, you're going to find frustrations at another company. Yep. And that creates a habit. Like I think habitually people are just kind of being trained to not to be loyal. And I think that'll carry over into relationships, marriages, parents, like, I, I really believe that success is a habit and that failure is a habit and that if you want to win in relationships and win in other aspects, like you stick things through until yeah. there is nothing like, you know, not salvageable for sure anymore. And that's, I'd rather go down with the ship 
than jump off prematurely. And watch it sink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you 100%. And I think one thing that, again, I was lucky enough to have people that's just echoed in my head ever since I was 17, 16, when I started getting these mentors and getting this information was literally, your word is all you've got. Yeah. Like, no matter how small the commitment is, like, you, you go and step outside of your word. Like, mm-hmm. you're hurting yourself a lot more than you realize in the big picture. And it's also becoming a habit that will trickle into not keeping your word with your partner, your spouse, your kids, like yeah. way bigger than you realize. Butterfly effect is insane. So I, 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 I love that. No one's given that answer. Like yeah. loyalty, it all goes back. It all stems from what you were saying. And correct me if I'm wrong. Like really your word is all you've got. And 100%. if there's not something that's toxic or incorrect or needs to be fixed, like, yeah. and you're stepping outside of what your word is, you're doing yourself mm-hmm. a bigger harm than anyone else. Like, yeah, yeah they might miss you. If you go and you leave and you step away from someone who's dumped a lot of energy into you, but really what you're doing is setting yourself up for continuous, yeah. continuous failure yeah. in that sense. You look like a Steph Curry or a, like even a Damian Lillard, like Damian's not on a really a team that, you know, they get close, they, they play well, but he's not, he's not leaving Portland until he finishes what he feels he needs to do there. Yep. Like Steph Curry was a losing, the Warriors were a losing team for a lot of years, Yeah. but he stuck it through and he stuck it out. And like they've won how many championships now? Like. Is it four, three, four, four? Uh, yeah, I mean, the four, exactly. three or four, it must be four, but call, you know, probably wrong. But like, had him or Clay Thompson demanded trades and said, yeah, this isn't, I'm not where they want to be yet. I want yeah. to be around the winners. Like, put me on a big team. You look at what ha- what's happening in the league where these people are bouncing and building these super teams and they're like last place in the West or like the East. Like, yep. these super teams, you're trading egos. Like, I just, I feel like, again, like loyalty to me is, is, is number one. Like, I'm going to be loyal to the people that have been loyal to me and been loyal to the vehicle that's been loyal to me. Absolutely. Until I'm, you know, until the red, the red flags are there saying like jump ship. Exactly. And, and also like what you just said, it's not even the championships that really like determine the success at that point, but like the legacy, like who's yep. going to be remembered. Yep. Right. It's definitely not going to be the people who are always watching out for themselves and they have no, like, uh, yeah, I love what you're saying. I yeah. agree. I echo it a hundred percent. Um, I could literally talk all day. I want to be super respectful of your time. I know you're, yeah. you're crazy busy, so we'll wrap it up. But kind of if you're familiar, the, the title of the podcast is Today's the Day. Mm-hmm. And where that stems from, that was, uh, again, kind of a mantra really early on. It was from a book I read, and it was actually from, from meeting with Casey a bunch. But it was this, this phrase I coined forever ago, just Today's the Day. And kind of the meaning behind it and the point of it is it really like today's all you've got. Like, you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. You have no idea if you're even going to be here. And if, if you really approach life with that perspective, at least in my own life, from my own personal experience, and every single person that I bring on this podcast, the, the only thing I care about is do they really go and embody that? Like yeah. the today's the day and do they look at it as, hey, this is all I've got, so I'm going to go and make the most of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the secret to not success because success is very subjective, but like yeah a fulfilled life. Like if you can go and approach every day, like it's the last day or it's like, this is the day, um, you're going to go and live a very fulfilled life. So where do you think you, uh, for my last question, like, where do you think you got that? Or how important is that? Like, what role does that play in your life? Today's yeah. the day put in that, that sense. That's, that, like, like you said, it's all you have. Like all, all we have is right now. And like your, your today is the day is my, my, my kind of phrase, my mantra, if you, if you'd call it, you'd call that like a mantra, Absolutely. Right? like a hundred percent, a moment, like something that you, you, you say and repeat in your life. Yep. Mine has always been, if not me, who, if not now, when, like, if not me, who, if not now, when, like that, that's me telling myself I can do this. And that's me telling myself now's the time to do it. Yeah. You don't wait. And that's, yeah. Don't wait for anything. Like if you feel like you want to reach out to somebody and like squash an old beef or, you know, like don't hesitate, like send that text message, make yeah. that phone call take that risk, knock that door, get out of that car, ask that girl out. Like you never know what's going to be there the next, the next day, the next hour, the next minute. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I think that that's, that really is everything. And, um, I mean, that's, yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, if not me, who, if not now, when today's the day, like yeah. I might add, I'm going to add today's the day to the end. All of yours, that, like, all yours, and bro. It's, and it's there. No, I love it again, uh, dude. The great elbow, Kyle, NBA elf. I sincerely, sincerely appreciate you coming out. I've, I've had a blast. We'll definitely go and repeat this. Absolutely. Yep. Massive nuggets. Everybody for tuning in. Thank you. Much love. Until next time. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.